Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Grab your Bibles, grab your phones, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. As you know, we have been studying 1 Corinthians chapter 13 for about, I think, about eight weeks now. And we've been splicing it up, dicing it up, really looking at what this chapter really means for us as believers in Christ. My name is Keith Davis. I'm the missions pastor here. And uh, I'm honored to be your missions pastor. And um, I love our church. Um, I, I know many of you, and there's still some of you I don't know. I'd love to get to know, get to know you better. And I'm thankful to be here today to look at God's word with you. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to be looking at verses 8, verses 8 through 13. Before we jump into the scripture, I've got a question for you. How many of you, how many of you know where First Baptist Church, I'm sorry, not First Baptist Church, how many of you know where Buffalo, Oklahoma is? Raise your hand. Anybody know where Buffalo, Oklahoma is? All right. Well, it's really far away from here. I'm guessing it's about a four-hour drive. Yes, a four-hour drive up near Woodward. How many of you know where Woodward is at? Yeah, a lot of hands. You know where Woodward is, right? So if you go to Woodward, and then you go 30 miles straight north of there, right? You come to Buffalo, Oklahoma, population 1,200 people, 6,000 cows, and a lot of wheat and a lot of farming trucks, all right? It's an interesting culture up there. I moved to Buffalo, Oklahoma from Oklahoma City. Grew up in Oklahoma City, spent a lot of time in Oklahoma City, was a student pastor there in Oklahoma City, then moved to Buffalo, Oklahoma. When I first got to Buffalo, Oklahoma, Chad, they made it very clear to me that when I go back to Oklahoma City, they're going to know that I'm from Buffalo. And they, they told me, there's going to be evidence that you are from northwest Oklahoma every time you visit and go back to Oklahoma City. And I'm like, well, how, how are they going to know? Is my, is my um, Arkansas accent going to change to maybe a northwest Oklahoma accent? Am I going to lose weight? Am I going to gain weight? I mean, am I, am I going to change the way I dress? And they're like, no, it's the red dirt. It's the red dirt. I want to show you a picture of a, a red road. It's actually a dirt road. In northwest Oklahoma, can you see how red it is? I mean, you think it's red in this area, or you think it's red in Oklahoma City. Just go to Buffalo, Oklahoma. It's really red up there, right? But they told me, they said, it's, the red dirt's going to get on your shoes. The red dirt's going to get on your tires. The red dirt's going to get inside your car. It's going to be on your clothing. If you go swimming in any kind of a, a swimming hole the way they swim in northwest Oklahoma, and you have a pair of light-colored trunks, it's going to change the color of your trunks. I mean, they said it's, it's going to change the way you look, and, and your shoes are going to be a different color. And so they're just giving me warning. They're going to know the difference. Well, you know what? They were exactly right. I had evidence on me, inside my car, on my car, outside my car, on my clothing, that I was from northwest Oklahoma because the red dirt was a part of me, I had evidence. It was very clear that I was from somewhere or I'd been spending time somewhere other than Oklahoma City. Well, I have a question for you. We've been looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul's description of what love really needs to look like. It's actually the love of Christ. The question is this, we've been, we've been moving to this point today to close it out. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're closing it out today. 
Is there evidence in your life of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and the description of love that is in that chapter? Is there evidence the way you think, the way you treat others, the way you talk, the way you make decisions? Is there evidence in your life? What a great challenge. That's the whole reason why we looked at this chapter. And so as believers in Christ, we can come together and really talk about what does it look like to love others? What does it look like to have the love of Christ within our hearts? Let's look at this scripture. Would you stand with me? We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 13. It says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Verse 12, for now we see in a minor, I'm sorry, in a mirror dimly. But then face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, you may be seated. So here's the scripture that we're looking at today. We're closing things out as we were looking at this whole chapter. We're looking at the last few verses, verses 8 through 13. Some background just as a reminder. Paul has gotten word that his church in Corinth is not doing very well. All right? If you go back and look at all of the chapters, chapters 1 through 13, there's just this huge long list of problems that that church is going through, right? There's some prejudice stuff going on. There's marriage problems. There's lawsuits. There's idolatry, leadership flaws, a lot of self-centeredness, people misusing the gifts that God gave them. They were arrogant. They were, they were being immodest. There was chaos involved in their worship time. They had theology issues. They were starting to even deny the resurrection of Jesus. Basically, Paul was saying, hey, church, you're becoming just like the city of Corinth. And we're supposed to be different. He's basically saying there should be evidence in our lives of love. And we got this going on. And so Paul really, he's chastising them going, I got to help you here. Shame on you. You're better than that. That's not who you are as believers in Christ. And that's why he's taking the chapter 13. He's like, "Let let me remind you. What's most important in life? Let me remind you what love looks like. That's why he wrote 1 Corinthians 13. Paul never intended for 1 Corinthians 13 to be wrapped up in Valentine's Day. He never intended 1 Corinthians 13 to be wrapped up in romantic love. It really has to do everything with believers in Christ as a church. How do you love others? Do you see others differently than the way you even see yourself? And so there's some observations that I've noticed 
in verses 8 through 13. I want to share those with you. There are four of them that we're going to look at briefly this morning. And uh, I hope that you're taking notes. There's four of them, and we've got number one. You ready? Here's something that I noticed about the scriptures, uh, verses 8 through 13. Number one is this. What Paul is saying in verses 8 through 13, here's the observations. Number one, Paul is saying don't focus on temporary things. He's going, church, you're focusing on temporary things. Right? He says love never ends. As for prophecies, they're going to pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it's going to pass away. He says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. Tongues. He he goes and he makes this list. And he says, these spiritual gifts, you're spending way too much time focusing on these spiritual gifts. In fact, he's saying you're misusing them. He says, stop focusing on the things that are temporary. Focus on the things that are eternal. And that's the love of Jesus Christ. He's saying love is what's most important. Not all those gifts. Not those spiritual gifts at that time that he was correcting them on. So how do we relate that to us today? I just know that when I get to heaven, when I get to heaven, I don't think it's going to be smart for me to walk in and say, hey, I'm, I'm the missions pastor. That's my position. I think the comment that would come back to me if that were to happen that way would be, we don't need a missions pastor in heaven. We don't need that position. Here's one. Hey, um, I got to say the prayer at the Oklahoma City Thunder game four times. I was like their chaplain four times. Yeah, we don't have NBA basketball (laughs) in heaven. Hey, man, I came up with this strategy. Me and a team of people came up with a strategy called My One, where we reach people for Christ. And it was a great strategy, and God used it on earth. And, and the convention, actually, the nationwide convention is now using it now. They didn't ask me, but now they're using it all over the country. <laughs> and it's called My One, or Who's Your One? And Yeah, God kind of inspired me, and I kind of started that right there in Owasso, Oklahoma. We don't need an evangelism strategy in heaven, right? And I could go on and on and on. But do you know Jesus? I think that, do you know Jesus? Do you have the love of Christ in your heart? That's what matters most. And I just kind of wonder, and I'm even pointing back at myself. Am I, are we spending way too much time on position, achievement, possessions, status, popularity? That's how we can take this and apply it to today's culture. It's a question for me. I've been chewing on it for several weeks now as I'm preparing. And it's a question for you. Are we focusing on things that are temporary? Are we focusing on things that are temporary? I want to show you a picture 
when we took a group of high school students on a mission trip to Rio Grande City down on the border of Mexico, Texas. We were on the Texas side. We did vacation Bible schools for a couple of churches. We got to go to a uh, food distribution center and, and, and help them prepare and box up food and all kinds of stuff. Um, and we even got to go to a hospice center. We got to go to a hospice center. We were a little nervous about it. I'd never taken students to go to a hospice center to do ministry. I was nervous because I didn't know how they were going to react. Because I knew that when you're in a hospice center, you may have an hour to live, you may have a day to live, or you may have just a week or a couple of weeks to live. That's why you're in hospice. They make you feel as comfortable as you can be right before you pass away. And our goal was to go in and just spend time with these patients, to love them, encourage them, pray with them. And that's exactly what we did. And in this picture, you're seeing, I believe, four teenage girls that are doing exactly that. Little did I know that God would use that mission experience to speak to me in a very clear way because we're standing in that room and all they have left in life in that room was a couple of pictures of their family, a plant, and maybe the clothes, a few, few pieces of clothing. And it was just a great reminder to me that we spend way too much time focusing on the temporary and not the eternal. Man, we all, our whole group learned so much that week. I'm still talking about it. It was three years ago. That's the first thing. Don't focus on temporary things. That's what Paul is saying. Here's number two. Number two, Paul's saying, hey, church, it's time to grow up. It's time that you grow up. Verse 11, he goes, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. He's talking about how he grew up spiritually I gave up childish ways. I became mature. I, I wanted to embrace these qualities of love that I've mentioned in the passage or actually in, in the letter that he wrote. He said, I'm choosing to grow up and to mature in Christ and to mature in such a way to where there is evidence in my life of those love qualities that are mentioned in the letter. And he's saying, grow up, church. You're just like the city of Corinth. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to have evidence in our life of these qualities. I've had to ask myself that question in the last couple of weeks. Do I need to grow up in a couple of those areas that are mentioned, a couple of the qualities that are mentioned in the scripture when it comes to how he describes love, actually agape love, which is a love that thinks about others more than yourself. I had this rubber band on my wrist just to kind of remind me to focus on others. I didn't pop it or anything, but I just, it was just a reminder, Keith, start focusing on others more than yourself, and I was starting to wear that for a couple of weeks. I was preaching at Caleb Jernigan's church three or four weeks ago, because he was on out of town, and after I preached, I sat down, and, and I was like in the second row, and there was two people in front of me, and there was, the invitation was going on, and I was just kind of messing with it, popping it, and it flew up, hit the ceiling, came back down and landed on the cell phone of the lady in front of me. And I'm like, how do I get it back? And it was, I was real nervous and all that. But maybe you, need, maybe you need to pray. Maybe there's something you need to do to remind yourself to live out the qualities that's mentioned in the passages. I need a new bracelet if you can get me one. 
It's Brooks. I want to show you a picture of my son, Connor. Woo, it's a long time ago. My kids are growing up. Do you see that picture there? Yep. What's he got in his mouth? It's a pacifier. We called it, I don't know why, we called it a BB, right? Some of you have heard this story. We called it a BB, right? Woo, Aaron, you remember, he used to babysit a little bit. Uh, Connor had a hard time getting rid of that thing. Yeah. When we took a bath, or when he took a bath, it was in there. When we fed him a, din- a meal, it was in there. I mean, he would eat something, put it back in, drink something, put it back in. We'd take him to the park, and we'd swing him. It'd be in his mouth. Uh, we had this little electronic Jeep that we'd put him in, and he'd drive it around the front yard, and he'd have it in his mouth. We'd take him to church. He'd have it in his mouth. And he started getting a little older, and I'm like, well, we got to get rid of this thing. It's time that he grows up. It's, his teeth are starting to form <laughs> to, to the pacifier, to the BB. And Amy and I got kind of, kind of concerned about it. And we thought, we got to come up with a creative way to get rid of this thing. So we went and bought some helium balloons. And we tied the pacifier to the helium balloons. And we took him outside. And we said, listen, we're getting ready to send this pacifier. We're going to send this BB to heaven. And it is gone forever. And it's time you grow up. And he acted like he, he could handle it. And he's like, all right. And we go out there, you know. And I look over, and I'm getting ready to do this countdown to let the balloons go. I look over, and Amy's bawling. You know, I don't want him to grow up. You know, I'm like, your teeth are deformed. You got, you know, you got to quit doing that. So I'm holding the helium balloons. There's two of them with the pacifier, the BB there. And I said, all right, 10, 9. Carson's there, and Addie's there, and. They're just looking at the whole thing, you know, and, and I get down nine, ten, I let it go, it fell to the ground. It was too heavy. I had to go, I had to run to Walmart, get a couple more balloons, come back, we start the whole thing over again, and we did the whole countdown, and man, I let it go, and it went up, and then the Oklahoma winds took it, and we're watching it, and it was just silent, I look over, Amy's still bawling. And the balloon kept getting farther and farther and farther away, and finally it disappeared. It finally disappeared. I'm thinking, yes, finally, Connor's going to grow up. Connor walks away from us, goes straight in the house. I follow him. He goes straight in the house, through the kitchen, down the hallway, goes into his bedroom, puts his hand underneath his pillow, grabs another BB, (laughs) puts it in his mouth. Come to find out, he had five more under his pillow. (laughs) Connor chose at that time not to grow up. We had to help him grow up. Um, You know what? I can be that way. I'm guessing you can be that way too. Man, there's just, we don't want to let go of things sometimes. Maybe it's the way we feel about others or about somebody. We want to hang on to feelings or to an approach. Maybe we don't love people the way that we should. I want to encourage you, Paul is saying this, let's grow up. We're supposed to be different. There's supposed to be evidence in our life, the love of Christ. That's the, that's the third thing that, that I notice. That's the second thing. Third thing is this. Here's the third thing I, I, I see in the scriptures here. Number three is this. Paul is saying, hey, guys, heaven's going to reveal what is eternal. I'm going to help you. The word's going to help you. But heaven is going to be the ultimate 
place where it's revealed to us what's truly eternal. And really what Paul is saying is, trust me. Trust the Spirit. Trust the Word. Heaven's the ultimate revealing. But I want you to trust me. Look in verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face, now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 12. He's saying, you know, we can catch a glimpse of it. We can kind of experience it on earth as believers in Christ. And you should experience it but it's so eternal that sometimes we just can't understand fully. But it's going to be revealed to us one day. We've really got to trust the word, trust the spirit, trust the letter that Paul wrote that God inspired him to write. I love Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That's big right there. Did you see that? Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Man, I don't trust my understanding most of the time. That's why I'm always in Chad's office. Jonathan, you do that too sometimes. You go to Chad's office. I don't trust me. Chad, speak into this. Right? I mean, we got to trust God, trust the word, trust the spirit. Just the other day, I was in this restaurant in Owasso. It was so hot outside. We were setting up for the gathering on Maine. Kristen, it was so hot and humid between 3 and 5 on Thursday. It was miserable outside, and we just got through setting up. And I went in this restaurant to grab some drinks and some chips and to take those to the team of people who had helped me. And it was so cool in there, I decided to stay a little while to kind of cool off. And the owners were there. It's a husband and wife. And um, I began just to talk with them. And, and she's from Korea, and he's actually from Oklahoma. And I, as through our conversation, we discovered that they had not really traveled anywhere outside this area. Because they were, were talking about vacationing, and, you know, they needed some time off. They'd been really busy. And, and I said, Man, you guys ought to just take off some time. They said, we can't. We've got the store. And I said, well. I'll watch it for you for a couple of days. Not that I would, but I offered, you know, and they began asking me, well, where would you go on vacation? I said, well, what do you like to do? And they said, well, we like to hike. We like trees. We like waterfalls and streams. We like to be away from people. And I'm like, man, I know a lot of places in Oklahoma and also Arkansas. And they said, well, we really like to be away. And we'd like to go to Arkansas and we'd like to go to Kansas. We'd like to kind of get away from Oklahoma. And I said, well, I want to highly recommend to you Ponca, Ponca, Arkansas. It's amazing. And I was pulling up these pictures on my cell phone. I was showing them Ponca, Arkansas. They're beautiful. That's Mount Magazine, which is near Ponca, Arkansas. It is absolutely amazing. And I kept talking about it, kept talking about it. And I'm like, man, I know you haven't been. I'm not a, I'm not a travel agent, but will you just trust me? I'm, I'm from there, and it's beautiful. I know people that have been there. Will you just trust me? I kept, saying, I kept hearing myself saying, will you just trust me? And they're like, okay, yeah. And then they start taking their information on their phone, and, 
And I'm walking down the store 30 minutes later thinking to myself, they're going to go to Ponca, Arkansas, and I want to go with them. It's going to be amazing. But I kept finding myself going, I know you don't know me that well, but will you just trust me? I've been there. I've seen it. I've experienced it. Um, other people have experienced it. Will you just trust me? That's what Paul's doing in the scripture here with this church. He's saying, will you just, not just trust me, but don't lean on your own understanding. Trust and hang on to those eternal things that will last forever. Not these things that are going to die and cease and disappear in a short amount of time. Trust the word, trust the spirit, trust these qualities that are listed in the, in the letter that he sent. He's going to trust this, hang on to it. Here's the fourth observation I know about this scripture, and then we're coming to an end. The fourth one is this. It's very obvious because we've talked about the first three. The fourth one is this. It's very obvious. Paul is saying to his church, he's saying, focus on eternal things. Focus on eternal things. Verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide, or they remain. These three. But the greatest of these is love. That's eternal. That's what we should embrace. That's what we should hang on to are the things that are going to last forever. He's made it very clear, I believe, in verses 8 through 13, specifically to his church. He's made it very clear of what's temporary, what's not temp- or what's, what's temporary, and what's eternal. He's made it very clear to them. He's basically saying, you got a choice to make, church, because you look too much like the world. You look too much like Corinth, the city. That's not who we are. We should be different. There should be evidence in our life of the love of Christ, which he lists out in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, also known as the love chapter, right? So as I begin looking through this and studying on this and focusing on chapter or focusing on point number four, I begin to ask myself the question, who is it in my life that I have seen with my own eyes, that I have experienced in person, that truly has had evidence of those qualities of love mentioned in chapter 13. It doesn't mean they're perfect because there's no perfect person, right? Other than Jesus. Everybody's flawed. And the person I thought of, there are some flaws. But he had a whole lot more qualities of love than he did flaws. That was my dad. There we are. Mutt's Hot Dogs in Oklahoma City. I said, Dad, let's go get a hot dog. That's when he lived there. It was terrible. (laughs) Terrible hot dog. But we had a great experience. So he passed away a year ago, May. Man, I think about love is patient. It's kind. 
It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. My wife Amy's over here, and she knew my dad very well. Chad knew my dad, and they could attest to, to, with me today that he had these qualities, and he lived them out. And I'm so thankful that God placed him in my life so that I could see with my own eyes here on earth in my life of how I also should live out these qualities. He had evidence. I want evidence too. Most importantly, I want to live the life that God has called me to live through the scriptures. Even more so than just being like my dad. So that's the question that Pastor Chris has for you today, our staff has for you today, as we have been looking through a whole chapter of 13 and 1 Corinthians 13. Is there evidence in your life of those love qualities? Is there one or two that maybe you should give attention to, that you should bring to the Lord? Is there a time maybe that you need to confess some of those and got to struggle with this one or that one help me as I choose to have more evidence in my life I don't want to live like the world I want evidence of your love in my life so that's the decision we've come to at the end of this series the decision we've come to today what's that evidence look like in your life I know what it looks like in mine. I know what I need to work on. I do. I've made a list in in, in my heart and in my mind. I have my list. And I'm choosing to give attention to that. For those of you in the room that have never committed your life to Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to think about committing your life to Jesus Christ because he is patient he is kind his love does not envy or boast his love is not arrogant his love is not rude his love is not irritable or resentful it does not rejoice at wrongdoing but it rejoices in truth his love bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. How can you not choose to commit your life and to follow Jesus Christ who lived out all of those qualities on earth as he chose to leave a perfect heaven and come to a dirty world to live those out? And then the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate love that he gave towards you is when he died on the cross shed his blood for you. He took the punishment of your sins so that you wouldn't have to. So that you could have eternal life and experience the love of Christ on earth through a relationship with him and also when you pass away and go to heaven. How can you not follow that? My prayer is that you would choose 
to follow Jesus, who is all of that and can provide that for you. I'd like for you to stand with me. We're going to have a, just a few moments as these guys play and sing a, a, a time of, to reflect on this message. You're more than welcome to pray where you are. You're more than welcome to come up here and to pray with somebody or by yourself. If you are here and you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, and you're like, I want to follow Jesus. Yeah, I, I want that for my life. I want you to know that I'd be glad to talk with you during this time or after the service. Jonathan would be glad to talk to you. Chad would be glad to talk to you. Many of our leaders would be glad to talk to you. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for the scripture. Thank you for the words that you inspired Paul to write. For the people of that time and the people here now today. God, we pray that during this invitation, that we would respond in the way that we're supposed to respond. In your name we pray.